Well, greetings and welcome to Understanding Christianity. I'm your host. I'm Pastor Sean Cole. I serve as the lead pastor of Emmanuel Baptist Church in Sterling, Colorado. I also teach Old and New Testament and Biblical Interpretation at Colorado Christian University. Thank you for listening to our podcast. We've been doing a series over the past few weeks on expository preaching. Uh, These are taken from a workshop training I do called Feeding the Flock that I've done around the country. And this will be the last of those podcasts on expository preaching. So you may want to go back and listen to the ones leading up to this because this is called the main event. In the last podcast, we looked at a 10-step process to help pastors or young preachers get prepared to actually deliver the sermon, but in this podcast, we're going to talk about what does it look like on Sunday morning when you stand up to preach in the pulpit before God's people, the delivery of the sermon. So you've done your exegetical work, you've done your homiletical work, and you've gotten your final product And we'll talk about that in just a few moments, the manuscript or the outline or what you're actually going to take into the pulpit. And so what do you do on Sunday morning? Well, obviously, we talked about the importance of a personal devotional time. Sunday morning, you spend time in prayer, personal devotion, what you're praying for. You're praying for empowerment from the Holy Spirit. You're praying for clarity, for courage for faithfulness to the text. You may pray for people by name. You may pray for those that you know who are struggling. So that's the personal time that you spend alone with the Lord on Sunday mornings. And then I think it's a good practice to pray with leaders before the service. Uh, Maybe you gather together with your staff, your elders, your deacons, others that support you, that will pray for you and for the powerful preaching of the word. Um, I gather every Sunday morning with um, a few of our elders to pray through the worship service. We pray for the preaching of God's word. We pray for unsaved people. We pray for our praise team. We pray for our, our greeters and our welcoming team. We pray for our growth group leaders. And we just basically bathe Sunday morning in prayer. And then also we do this. During the actual preaching time, every Sunday, we have a person who takes my sermon manuscript and is in another room in our building, and they pray specifically during my sermon. Pray for me to have power in the pulpit. They pray for the hearers in the congregation. They pray against distractions. They pray for unsafe people. They pray for people to be convicted by the Holy Spirit. And so we have a team of about seven or eight volunteers that rotate that actually pray during the sermon and they have volunteered to miss listening to the sermon to go into another room and to be in constant prayer around that 35 to 45 minutes that I preach. I also like to pray during the singing, during the congregational singing. Uh, you're praying to, your, to, to the Lord to give you strength and then you pray for power and anointing right before you preach. Uh, this might be in the pastoral prayer right before you preach Um, It was said of Spurgeon before he would mount those steps that would get up into the pulpit at the Metropolitan Tabernacle in London. He would say, I trust in the power of the Holy Spirit. I trust in the power of the Holy Spirit. Every step he would take, he would say that. And so are are you praying for God to show up? Are you praying for power in the pulpit 
Are you praying for that sacred anointing to come upon you? Greg Heisler says this, We are seeing an entire generation of preachers who are more driven to be effective communicators than to be spirit-empowered preachers. Methodology trumps theology, and sensitivity to the audience has replaced sensitivity to the Spirit. He goes on to write, My conviction is that the Spirit of God and the Word of God come together in the heart and mind of the preacher to produce substantive and compelling sermons that transform the lives of listeners. And he goes on to say this, I have found that Spirit-led transformational preaching Preaching that points people to Christ's redemptive power. Preaching that unashamedly calls for a faith response. Preaching that stays on message with the spirit-intended meaning of the text. Preaching that magnifies the life-changing gospel of Jesus Christ. Feeds the flock and fires up the sheep. And that is from his book, Spirit-Led Preaching. The Holy Spirit's Role in Sermon Preparation and Delivery. That came out in 2007. Greg Heisler, I'd recommend that book. It's a great book that helps you understand the role of the Holy Spirit in preaching. Now, let's ask the question, what should be the tone or the manner of our preaching? Again, there is some rhetoric. There is some voice and diction and tone and and what we call ethos your personal personality the feel what do you bring into the pulpit with your personality and tone and so this comes from john stott's book between two worlds he, he gives some some helps in what our tone should be and again i would say a lot of our tone depends on the text that we're preaching what's the tone of the text That will usually dictate our tone in the pulpit. But these are just some general helps that John Stott has given us. Number one, he says sincerity. We must be sincere. He says the preacher means what he says when in the pulpit, and he practices what he preaches when out of it. One of the chief evidences of authenticity is a willingness to suffer for what we believe. Eloquence, homiletical skill, biblical knowledge are not enough. Anguish, pain, engagement, sweat, and blood punctuate the stated truths to which men will listen. Are we sincere? Uh, People know when you're fake. They know when you're trying to not be yourself or you're trying to imitate somebody else or you're trying to drum up emotion. Have you been so captivated by the text of scripture that it has taken root in your own heart and you're sincere when you stand up in the pulpit you're not false you're not a hypocrite the second thing he says is earnestness he says to be sincere is to mean what we say and to do what we say to be earnest in addition is to feel what we say earnestness is a deep feeling and is indispensable to preachers Now, I need to give a caution here. This is not emotionalism or emotional manipulation, but this means that you come into the pulpit not as a robot or not as a dry lecture, but you are really feeling the text. 
you've been under conviction by the Holy Spirit yourself. There have been times when I have preached the text on a Sunday morning and I'm overcome with deep repentance and sorrow in my heart as if I've read this passage for the very first time or said these words for the very first time even though I've spent hours in sermon prep because in that moment the Holy Spirit has gripped my heart and I'm coming under conviction as the preacher. Are you feeling the text are you sensitive to the holy spirit richard baxter famously wrote i preached as never sure to preach again as a dying man to dying men is there a sincerity in your preaching is there an earnestness in your preaching number three and i think this is what is needed in our culture in our age today number three is courage John Stott says, neither man-pleasers nor time-servers ever make good preachers. We are called to the sacred task of biblical exposition and commissioned to proclaim what God has said, not what people want to hear. There's a lot of focus and emphasis today put on being winsome, being nice, being non-offensive, and to an degree, to, to a degree I, I, I understand that. We don't want to be jerks in the pulpit. We don't want to come off as um, pompous or condescending or holier than thou. But I'm afraid that we're living in a culture, an evangelical culture, where a lot of pastors are lacking courage. They're afraid to speak the hard truths. They're afraid of the fallout. They're afraid to hurt people's feelings or step on toes. And again, the text will dictate how you do this, but we must be courageous in the pulpit. I, I pray for this for, for all pastors. And this is what I want to lead our elders and our staff and those in our church. We need courage and clarity in the pulpit. Courage and clarity. We need to speak with boldness, and we need to make sure that we are clear in what we're saying. We don't want anybody to walk away with confusion to where we stand on issues. We don't want there to be um, any type of fog or mist or unclear expectations or unclear statements. We need to be very precise, very clear, and we need to be courageous. We need to be bold. And again, that's scary. When you stand up in the pulpit and you preach a difficult text, you're often wondering, how are people going to receive this? Should I water it down? Should I tone it down? How should I do this? Now, let me just give you an example. When you're talking about hell, for example, you don't want to come off glib or you don't want to have this uh, joyful or happy or almost like Th this um, flippant attitude towards hell. You need to talk about hell with tears, with a soberness, with a seriousness, but you need to address it. And, and you shouldn't scold your people or yell at them. You can be very bold and yet have a soft voice. You can have a seriousness. You can have a somberness. But you need to have courage and clarity in the pulpit. And then number four, John Stott says, humility. Humility. He says, truth to tell, the pulpit is a perilous place for any child of Adam to occupy. Pride is without a doubt the chief occupational hazard of the preacher. Did you hear that? Pride is the chief occupational hazard of the preacher. 
He says the Christian preacher is to be neither a speculator who invents new doctrines which please him, nor an editor who gets rid of old doctrines which displease him, but a steward, God's steward, dispensing faithfully to God's household the truths committed to him in the scriptures, nothing more, nothing less, and nothing else. Now, humility means that we don't stand over the text and give our opinion or edit or take things out, but that we come humbly under the text, that we stand in the pulpit with that authority that God has given us as the called man of God to boldly proclaim the gospel, we also come with a humility because it is a sacred task to preach the scriptures. You are standing behind the sacred desk with the sacred scriptures, with the sacred task of faithfully delivering the word of God to the people. It's kind of like being a waiter in a restaurant. You're not the chef. You're not the master chef who puts together this wonderful meal. Your job is to make sure that the, the meal that's been prepared by the chef gets from the kitchen to the table without any problems so the people can eat the meal. Now, with the analogy, God is the chef. God is the author. God has given us his unadulterated word. Our job is to faithfully deliver that word to our people so that we can feed the flock faithfully with the word of God without diluting it, messing it up, or tripping over it, or dropping it, but that we are faithful stewards to the household of God, delivering the word of God. So sincerity, earnestness, courage, and humility. Peter Adam, I've mentioned his book before. He's got a book that is called Speaking God's Words, A Practical Theology of Preaching. It's more of a theology, it's more so than a how-to, but it's, it's a good book. But he says this, quote, this belief in the effectiveness of Scripture is, of course, a foundation stone of preaching. If we believe that Scripture was true but powerless, we would regard Christian preachers as those who have themselves the great responsibility of making the truth of God effective in people's lives. We are preaching not a dead word, but a living word. We are preaching not a word which is ineffective, but a word which is effective in the hand of God for God's own good purposes. We can thus preach with confidence, faith, and expectation. Now let's discuss maybe a practical issue of what do you take into the pulpit. Now, I'm going to tell you what I do, but I don't think this is something that is a one-size-fits-all. You need to understand your personality, your giftedness, your comfort level. I write out a sermon manuscript. And the reason I write out a sermon manuscript is because I want to be concise, I want to be clear. It helps me. I, I'm more of a writer. But when you get in the pulpit, you're, you're not reading your sermon. You're preaching. So there's some oratory and some rhetorical things that you need to understand. But I write out a full manuscript. And I would encourage you to write out a full manuscript. Now, whether you take that into the pulpit, it's a good practice to write out in words a manuscript. Now, there's a couple of things I do with that manuscript. I take that manuscript into the pulpit. Now, I, I put it into an iPad that I can annotate. I can make notes on my iPad to help me. And so um, I take an iPad into the pulpit and then my physical Bible that I read out of. But I print that manuscript out and I have it available after the service so that people can take 
the written copy of my sermon verbatim home with them as a resource. And so I have a lot, uh, we print probably about 30 of those each Sunday and, and all of them are usually gone. They're at our resource table after the service. And I have people that come to me and say they've got three ring bound notebooks that have like my sermons for the past 15 years that they've kept. And so um, I do that as a service to my people. We also have some hearing impaired people in our church that like to follow along with my manuscript while I preach. And so I don't hand that out to everybody, but our ushers will hand that out to maybe five or six mainly senior adults that like to read along while I preach. But you may feel like I'm just going to take a manuscript into the pulpit but, but, but don't read it verbatim. I'm not tied to my manuscript. I have it there as a guide, but I don't read it verbatim. I'm, I'm preaching to people. I'm not reading a manuscript. Maybe you take a one page of notes, an outline. You have like a, a detailed outline or you have a bare bones outline. Whatever works for you. Um, some people have spontaneous delivery where they go into the pulpit with nothing they know the text so well. They've got photographic memories. They, they're very, very gifted where they can go in and just spontaneously deliver the text. Now, that's very rare. Uh, that is something that you would have to be highly, highly gifted, like a Charles Spurgeon or somebody like that, to go in with just nothing in the pulpit. I, I heard a story about a preacher, a country preacher. Uh, I think he was a Presbyterian preacher back in the 1800s who had um, taken his manuscript into the pulpit on some sheets of paper and this was back before air conditioning and so the window was open and and a rush of wind came in and blew all of his notes off and they went flying out the window and that was at the very beginning of his sermon and he had to preach the rest of his sermon without those notes and the question when I was reading this in a book, I think it was a book on preaching, is do you know your text so well? Do you know your preaching points? Do you know your illustrations and your applications so well? If that were to happen, your iPad would go on the fritz or your notes would fly out uh, of the window. Can you preach faithfully the text? Now, again, you're relying upon the power of the Holy Spirit. So, again, this is more of a comfort level. But I would encourage you, whether you take a manuscript into the pulpit, it is a helpful exercise to write out your sermon in manuscript form just so you can work on the wording you can help the translations you can go back and edit I always go back and edit my manuscript to cut out stuff because you always probably bring too much stuff into the pulpit you've spent a lot I think young pastors do this young preachers they either preach way too much or they don't preach enough I remember when our former youth pastor um, he preached his first sermon and it was about maybe 12 to 15 minutes and um, he, he hadn't done enough exegetical work and, and you know that was his first sermon and so what you know what do you expect and he grew over the years to be a fairly good preacher and so I think a lot of times there's a temptation you've done all the exegetical work you want to impress the people with how much you know and so you've crammed so much information into a sermon you need to understand what can my hearers, what can my congregation handle? Now let me give some advice to some young pastors that are going to a new church. You need to understand what the diet of the church has been as you begin to preach. If they have had a seeker-sensitive or a seeker-targeted or a topical preacher for many years, it's going to be a little bit difficult for them to handle maybe a 50-minute expositional sermon. Now, I'm not saying that you don't preach expositionally, but you may want to start out with maybe a 30-minute expositional sermon and then, and then work your way up. 
thankfully, when I came to Emmanuel over 18 years ago, the pastor that was before me was an expositional preacher who did um, help the people understand what it means to sit under expository preaching. So when I came, and my sermons are, are roughly around 40 to 45 minutes long, it wasn't too long for them. They were used to hearing that. And so you just need to know your audience, and I'm not saying you water down or you back, back down from what you had prepared, but there's always room to improve, and there's always room to, to leave things on the cutting room floor. What do you absolutely need to bring into the pulpit? And so I've gone through and I said, you know what, this illustration may not work. I'm going to cut this or this passage of Scripture. It's a good cross-reference, but it's not necessarily ultimately germane to my sermon. Um, Or I have a point here that maybe takes away the focus. And so it's helpful just to go back through your manuscript, go back through your sermon and say, what can I cut? What can I cut out that would... um, actually be better in effectively communicating this so when you think about the delivery very few of us can do spontaneous delivery where you walk into the pulpit with nothing those are usually the highly gifted men who have photographic memories that god has gifted in extraordinary ways most of us aren't that way so it's good to write out a manuscript you can take that into the pulpit as long as you don't rely upon that where you read it verbatim and, and your eyes are more down reading the manuscript and your eyes are connecting with people in your audience and you're connecting with the room and you're preaching directly to people. Or you take in more of an outline, an annotated outline, an extended outline, a short outline, whatever it is, and, and, and that's going to be something that fits your personality. So that is a discussion that probably you need to have with your leaders and, and there's always room to improve in how you can grow in that sermon delivery now let me just talk about martin lloyd jones martin lloyd jones wrote the book preaching and preachers it was based on some lectures that he did towards the end of his life and that book came out i think in 1981 there's an updated version of it excellent book on preaching you may not agree with everything Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones has in that book. He's very opinionated, but it is a classic. And so let me give you some great thoughts on preaching from Martin Lloyd-Jones, especially related to the role of the Holy Spirit in the act of preaching. He says this, and this is probably his most famous quote. What is preaching? Logic on fire. Eloquent reason. Preaching is theology coming through a man who's on fire. Logic on fire. Now, ultimately, what Lloyd-Jones is doing here is he's combining the exegetical, expositional, organizational, homiletical aspect to sermon prep. You want to make sure that you've done all the work. You've done all the, the exegetical work. You've, you've crafted your sermon. It's organized. It's got points. It's got the main thesis. You're going somewhere. But it's not just a dry lecture where you come in passionless, but you are preaching as a man on fire. The Scripture has captured you. You've been impacted by the Scripture itself, and you're relying upon the power of the Holy Spirit to where you can preach with sincerity. You can preach with earnestness. You can preach with boldness and with humility relying upon the power of the holy spirit and your own personality preaching that text he defines the chief end of preaching as this he says quote it is to give men and women a sense of god and his presence a sense of god 
and his presence. I think I said this in a few podcasts back when we're talking about the difference between uh, a dry lecture versus a sermon. There are people that will take notes during my sermons, and I understand that. That's geared towards the mind. They want people to use that to pay attention. They're, it's impacting their minds. They're taking notes. They want to engage. But there's that moment in the sermon where it goes from just dispensing information to where you are actually preaching Christ. You are elevating Christ. You are giving the people a sense of the glory of God. And I found in those, those rare moments the pencils and the pens go down. The people aren't so worried about taking notes. Their eyes are lifted up and they're on the edge of their seat and they're giving you these smiles or maybe you see people in tears and there's a calmness, there's a stillness that comes over the congregation where at that moment everyone's engaged because you are giving people Christ, His person. You're elevating Jesus himself, and God's people want Christ. And so that's what Martin Lloyd-Jones says preaching is. It's to give men and women a sense of God and his presence. And again, you can't manufacture that. You can't drum that up. You can't manipulate people. This, This is where it's totally spiritual in nature. As you are tethered to the text... The Holy Spirit intended meaning of the text as you're preaching the text. The Holy Spirit who inspired that text is coming alongside that text and he is empowering you as the preacher and he is bringing conviction to the people that you're preaching to so that everyone is under the influence and power of the Holy Spirit in that moment. And remember, the job of the Holy Spirit is to glorify Christ. J.I. Packer, in his book, Keeping Step with the Spirit, gives this great illustration. He says, the Holy Spirit's ministry is like a floodlight. So when you walk on a path close to a building and there's a floodlight that lights up the path, are you to look at the floodlight or are you to look at the path? What's the purpose? The purpose is to keep your eye on the path so you don't get off track. The purpose of the floodlight behind you is to light the path. And he says, the Holy Spirit's like a floodlight. His job is not to draw attention to himself, but to shine the light on Jesus. And so that's what happens when you're preaching. When you are preaching Christ from the text, the Holy Spirit, like a floodlight, shines the light on Jesus, and everyone's wrapped up in the presence of God. Martin Lloyd-Jones goes on to say this, Without believing in and knowing something of the power of the Spirit, it is a heart-breaking task. I certainly could not go on for another day, but for this, if I felt that it was all left to us and our learning and our scholarship and our organization, I would be of all men the most miserable and hopeless. That's a wonderful quote. If it's up to your oratory, if it's up to your homiletical skill, if it's up to your stellar personality, if it's up to your great argumentation, then we are all sunk and we would be most miserable and helpless every week if transformation came from us. That's why the Holy Spirit is indispensable in preaching. You as the preacher need the power of the Spirit in the pulpit. The people in the pew 
in the chair, in the congregation, need the power of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit needs to be ultimately present on the Lord's day when you are faithfully preaching God's Word. And again, this is something you can't manufacture. This is something you pray for, you seek, you desire. And there are times when the Holy Spirit is pleased to do that in a palpable way. Not every Sunday are you going to quote-unquote feel that energy, feel the power of the Spirit. So don't feel like you have to have this ultimate spiritual, emotional, kind of powerful experience every Sunday. Be thankful that every time you stand up to preach the Word and you've done it faithfully, God's been pleased. The Father has been glorified. Jesus Christ, the Son, has been lifted up. And you have relied upon the power of the Holy Spirit. Because it's spiritual, you can't often see the tangible or the immediate results from your preaching. There are times when you come down from the pulpit and you feel like, man, I hit a home run. That was an awesome, I, I felt it. And there are times you come down and you feel like, man, that was terrible. I don't even know how it landed. I feel deflated. I feel flat. I, I didn't get any feedback. And that, and that can play tricks on you as a pastor. You can become very excited and inflated and, and maybe have an overwhelming sense of yourself that, oh, I hit a home run. Or you can come down feeling very defeated, thinking that, man, I didn't do anything at all. And, and if, again, if it's relying upon you and your skill and your oratory and your your delivery, then yes, you're going to be either very prideful or you're going to be very defeated. But what really needs to happen is faithfulness. Have you faithfully preached the text? Because you don't know what the Holy Spirit's doing. There are times when somebody's come to me after a sermon I felt like fell flat. They're like, oh man, you were preaching directly to me. How did you read my email? How did on my mail. I really needed to hear that. And I'm like, well, that's good because I felt like that was, you know, I didn't feel like that landed at all. And there are times when, you know, you feel like you preach the greatest sermon of your life and there's this great feeling and you get no feedback whatsoever. Nobody says anything to you. You, you go home and you, you turn to your wife in the car and say, well, how did you feel about that? She's like, yeah, it was, it was pretty good. It was okay. And you're like, come on, that was like the best sermon I've ever preached. You know, you, preachers have those types of, of moments. And so we just need to rely upon the power of the Holy Spirit and realize that He's sovereignly and secretly working in ways that we cannot see. And if we were to see that, we probably couldn't handle the truth. That's why we need to wait till we get to heaven to really know what the fruit was from our preaching. Because if God were to show that immediately and tangibly and concretely every time, we probably couldn't handle the truth because we are so weak and we are so prideful and we are so um, sinful. We would either become so elevated with pride or we would become so defeated with despair. And neither one of those are healthy places to be. And so, ultimately, we need to rely upon the power of the Spirit for the main event of standing in the pulpit and preaching. Well, hopefully, these preaching podcasts have been helpful to you. They've been an encouragement to you. Again, I would love to be a resource to you if you need help in preaching or you have a question or you would uh, consider maybe having these Feeding the Flock Expository Preaching Workshops in your area or your church. Uh, in the show notes, I can put my email again if you want to contact me. And so I really appreciate you listening to the podcast. I'm thankful for all those around the world, really, that listen to this. And so um, as we think about expository preaching, would you pray 
specifically this week for your pastor, that he would be empowered by the Spirit. If you are a pastor yourself, would you pray for that empowering of the Holy Spirit? We desperately need the power of the Holy Spirit in our preaching. And so until next time, would we all keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. Thank you.